It's the Earl Access Podcast, episode 65, December 7th, 2021. Show's name is Still Shampoo. Kuehler is here. Also, find us live on twitch.tv slash Shampoo at 4 p.m. PT on Tuesdays. And check us out on Spotify and iTunes. We got some gaming stuff to talk about this week, including the weebs spreading the Rona. A ton of Activision news yet again. Uh, some Ubisoft stuff. I missed a story last week on the Democrats versus Scalpers. And we're going to talk a little bit about Pokemon. Uh, but first off, Kuehler, actually, Kuehler, did you ever find it? I think on a previous episode, Kuehler talked about the Rona. If, if it was not in an episode, I definitely said it in the pre-show or something, because I definitely said it to Nikki, where I said that conventions, cons, anime conventions, but obviously any convention in general, are like the last things I'm going to return to. It's going to be like the sign of the pandemic is effectively over or manageable enough to go back to daily life is conventions, because they are absolute incubators of disease. Everyone there is gross. Like, and this is not pandemic era. This is like all the eras. Even before the pandemic, pan- uh, conventions were notorious where people would go and come back with colds, flus, stomach bugs, STDs, whatever the hell you can catch. <laughs> um, because you're just in a giant, you know, room, like a big area with just your you your hygiene is terrible your nutrition is terrible and people are just mingling with each other they're going outside bringing things back who knows what they did they're going to parties doing shit coming back and then i said it's the last thing to do and i'm like don't go to cons because as safe as they are i just cannot trust them they are so bad they were already like disease spreaders beforehand i am not gonna gonna go to one and risk you know i don't care if they do a half capacity mask requirements vaccine requirements like it's still a risk of catching something bad and it happened i think with the same convention that i was actually that spawned me to talk about that same topic so the new version of the rona has been released the new dlc omicron the new dlc is that omicron, how do we go from omicron delta variant. to omicron i there's some reason, but I haven't read it. I know there was a Mew at some point that like came and went kind of overnight, and no one really remembers it. Well, anyway, a Minnesota man was one of the first in the U.S. test positive uh, for the new Arona variant. Uh, a group of 30 people who attended an anime convention in New York City mid-November, uh, about half of them have contracted the Rona. Uh, They were vaccinated, and and we're not going to get into the whole, oh, the vaccine doesn't work if it's 99.999999% effective. That's not 100. Some people will still get sick, all right, before we start going crazy. The effectiveness of sickness and all that, but again, it's not not about that. The point is, they got infected with COVID, and who knows who they have spread it to, who knows what other people who are not part of his friend group have managed to catch it, like who just interacted with him because they're sitting in the same room together. Who knows where he got it from, too? We don't know. I don't th- I didn't think they've managed to trace back where he might have gotten it from. And at that point, who knows if it was from the convention? Any of you guys who know me know that for my entire life, I have been staunchly anti-weeb. And this is just another <laughs> This could have been anything. It could have been a gaming. It could have been a furry convention. It could have been a volleyball tournament. It could have been... No, but it was the In the San Jose Convention Center. It had to have been that, but the point was convention. I don't. I don't trust them, and this is why. Now we have the spreader event at the convention. I was going to a bar uh, the other night in downtown San Jose. Tons of people walking around, and I was talking to this girl, masks off, give her a hug, and all that. 
and I didn't realize till afterwards when we were trying to get into the bar, showed my vaccine card and she wasn't going to come in. And she said that she hadn't gotten vaccinated yet. And I, I know I'm totally fine. I mean, this was what Sunday and it's Tuesday now. I feel fine. Don't feel sick. Probably don't like have corona. Yeah, probably does. So maybe well, we'll see you next episode. Next time on the Early Access Podcast. Does if Nikki there's not a next episode, where did I go? There's there's been multiple Early Access Podcast episodes where we have had still shampoo COVID scares. And I'm yeah, sick so of far we've been good. So far we've been good, yeah. There are people just wanderly or randomly wandering around downtown San Jose uh, who do not have their shots This was yet. in New York, by the way, though. This wasn't San Jose. This one but... was in New York. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying the, uh, the Rona is still rampant. We are here. I remember, what was it? Maybe May when we were doing this podcast in 2020. Right. We were like, it'll be over soon. And now here I am like, yep. Once again, I may have accidentally contracted the Rona. Probably not, but what do they say? You have to be in a room with someone for over like 15 minutes. It's, it's something like that. Was. But again, the point is I've been to bars and not really gotten sick from them. I've been to restaurants and not really gotten sick from them, except maybe food poisoning. But like convention, every single time, I don't always get sick. But I'm like, I apparently have like the the like weeaboo immune <laughs> like power or something because almost everyone I know they just come back with something. It's like almost confirmed. It's almost guaranteed that you come back with something. Conventions and conferences are absolutely disgusting. I don't know if it's because I'm Asian as the Asian stereotype to be clean. Like my parents very much grew up wiping down the house and all that. But I have always been taking my own whenever you go to like a VR booth, you have to put a public VR headset on. I've been always taking my own little faceplate and attaching it to the headset. And people are always like, wow, Nikki, you're the only one I've ever seen do that. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. I'm not going to put my face where a hundred other people earlier today had just put their face in their eye holes. Same thing with bringing around hand sanitizer. Now it's the norm. And it's like, it's like it, asking someone if they would want to share a paper towel that someone used to wipe their face with, you know, like instead of having like the disposable ones, you just have like one towel and you don't wash it afterwards. And you're like, hey, you want to wipe your face with this one? <laughs> Because that's literally what the not. sponge is. And the other, it's a sponge. It's not even a towel. It's a sponge. It's some of them are leather. The oils and sweat. Oh, yeah, yeah, some of them are leather. Some of them have the little sponge for the faceplates for the headsets. But even if you go to like a gaming convention, right? Think of like an anime convention, gaming convention, anything like that. People are, you know, all playing Smash or they all have their own controllers. And they're all public, like four-player controller setups or public arcade machines. And... The shit's always gross. I know from working at a VR arcade, like we talked about in the last episode, when you wipe something down with Lysol wipes, it takes seven or eight minutes for it to actually like kick in. You don't you don't just put it on there and the bacteria dies immediately. You have to kind of like let it sit there, air out, and then you're good. And when you're running through air a convention out. and you know <laughs> people you are anything at a convention, people are playing the same PS5 or Xbox, whatever the hell number they're on now, over and over again. Like we're not waiting seven minutes between people playing and things being wiped down so like Hewler said on a previous episode conventions are the last thing we'd go back to and concerts being i think in second place this is a perfect example i really am not looking forward to to i mean they we talked a couple episodes ago about how twitchcon's coming back not looking forward to going if the rona is still super bad and wouldn't be surprised if it was canceled i'm gonna be honest i wouldn't go to twitchcon even if there was no pandemic that's true it's not the uh I don't have the greatest experience at TwitchCon. Have we no, ever talked about the had... sticky walls on the Ooh, show? I don't know. That would have been a very early episode because that was pre, 
podcast it would have been like a prior story i want to retell the sticky, sticky wall walls. story i was at twitchcon it was long beach i don't remember if it was like 2015 or something like that and we no, went 2017, down i believe to it was 2017 i went down to the bottom floor where a bunch of game developers had their own suites and i was supposed to go to suite 1a let's call it and i go to suite 1a for a meeting with these game developers and i knock on the door no one answers my meeting time is 8 a.m. It wasn't that early, but something like that. And they're not there. No one's answering the door. And I notice there's a key in the hole. So I turn the key and I get into the room and no one's in there. So for some reason, I go into escape room mode because there's a safe in the corner of the room. And so I, I pull the key out, get myself into the room, and there's a table, a chair, a suitcase, and a safe. And so what, what do I do? I go out and try to find what room I'm actually supposed to be in. No, this is the room they told me to go to. I'm going to see if I can crack that safe open. So I look around the room. Really wasn't that hard inside of the uh, suitcase that was on the table. Was a piece of paper and had a code on it. I enter the code, open the safe. There's nothing in there. And I close it, go on about my day. I go upstairs to the TwitchCon staff and I say, hey, I'm supposed to meet these game developers and they told me to go to this room, but I didn't see them in there. What room are they in? And they're like, oh, actually they got moved over to this room and I didn't get an email or a text or anything like that. So I didn't know that. I said, oh, okay. By the way, I found this key. And she gets super wide-eyed and puts her hand out. She says, give me that key. And actually looking back on it now, I think she may have been the one who left it in the door. But anyway, I gave her the key, went down, had my meeting. And the developer have has... All of their posters and all of their decorations that they brought on the floor. And I ask them, why, why didn't you guys put up your posters? And they have these nice little canvases of the game art. And they're like, touch the walls. And I do. And they're super sticky. Like, you know those little, if you were to go to like a mall and you get one of those sticky hands for 25 cents out of the vending machine. Yes. And you like fling them I out the wall. They were that texture. They were oh that texture. I never touched the wall. They said, I just took their word for it, by the way. I was eventually in that room, and I'm like, yeah. I don't think we have told this story before, but I've heard it like 20 times, so I'm not sure if it was podcast or not. And so afterwards, I found out from one of my friends who works at a convention center or something like that. I told him this story, and he goes, Nikki, that's the safe that vendors are legally required by the state of California after they hit like $2,000 to put their money into. And this was day one. Had you shown up and opened that safe on day two or three, there would have been a ton of money in there. And so I, I tell him, you're telling me I would have accidentally, I wouldn't have taken the money, but I could have, I could have robbed TwitchCon without even trying is what, is what you're telling me. He's like, yes, you absolutely could have stolen like thousands of dollars. I'm like, great. And then I broke into the uh, Twitch staff lounge and used their bathroom and so, yeah, security there wasn't that great. Uh, that that particular convention center sucks absolute ass because there's no cell service in there at all. Uh, yeah, very bad TwitchCon, very bad convention center. Wouldn't recommend. Uh, that was the Long Beach Convention Center. And I really hope I never have to go there again. Anyway, conventions are gross. The weebs are spreading the Rona. And uh, I don't I don't think it's safe. And I wouldn't recommend anyone go to any of the recommendation again, just don't go to cons. Just... Do whatever. You can do a lot of other things. I'm doing a lot of other things. I'm not like lock my, locking myself in my room or anything. But just cons is, is beyond where I will go. We were talking about just me being at a bar. like, But at a con, how many... I actually know the capacity 
uh, the capacity of the bar I was at is 180 people. I actually know that because I rented it out once. How many times? Like, there's more than 10 times that at a convention. Way more. Like, that's 1,800. It's way more magnitude of people and, and the chances of you getting the Rona way higher, especially because at a bar, you usually go back for a second day. With a convention, you go back a second day and all those people were out mingling. And Also, people at a bar usually aren't that disgusting. Ideally. Not as bad usually, as there's Usually one or two, maybe, if it's like a full day. But most people there are just having a normal day and then they go to the bar. Whereas like by day three of the convention, everyone is just destroyed, you know? All right. So next up, I want to talk about Activision. Activision has been in the news once again, if not for the Bill Cosby room, this time for firing Warzone QA employees. This pisses me off to no end. First of all, the, the way they did it was horrific. They promised them raising all. But second off, Warzone needs QA testers. This game is so fucking broken. It's got a 45 gig download. <laughs> 45 gig. How big was Hades? 15? Update download. Update. Not the whole game. Just the update. I think Hades was like 15 gigabytes, but I just Google. So I don't know if the effective one is any bigger. But if it's 15, that means you could download it three times. Game of the Year, I think, in some awards. Wonderful just progression system and everything. You can get it three times for the size of a Warzone update. One of, like, ten updates they've had already. QA is not the one in charge of compressing the game files, but the game is still way too freaking big, and there are some very, very silly glitches in Warzone that sometimes don't get fixed. I remember the A-12 was able to shoot down helicopters out of the air. You guys need QA. Come on. Anyway, this As is they usually say, like, usually QA does catch these bugs, but then they just can't really fix them, right? But then now they don't even have the people to catch the bugs. Yep. There we are. That's fantastic. Anyway, this is from at Blizz Jess, Jessica Gonzalez on Twitter. This is a pretty long one, so buckle up. She says, a tester from the Activision QA Texas team just reached out to me stating that they were blindsided by a termination notice and told their last day is this Friday. Apparently, uh, some devs are scouring Twitter to find reasons to lay off employees. This guy writes, We haven't talked before, so I'll introduce myself. I'm a contractor on the Vanguard QATX team. I think that means Quality Assurance Texas team for Call of Duty Vanguard. I've been working on this job since August, and I'm going through an interesting situation right now, and I wanted your input on it because you seem like a good person to talk to about this. After Vanguard released about a month ago, I took it upon myself to make a Twitter account and connected with the Call of Duty community to find bugs and try to pass them on to the team. I asked for people to tweet at me or DM me with bugs they find in the live game, and I was porting them on Slack. My intentions with this was to go the extra mile to help get more bugs recognized and fixed. I was messaged by someone higher than me a couple days ago, and he told me that I needed to delete the account, and I did immediately. I heard nothing about this again until I got a phone call last week from Tapfin. I don't know what that is, actually, telling me that Activision HR was investigating me. The Twitter account had my name and bio and said that I was a QA tester for Vanguard. I was not trying to represent Activision at all, but they were claiming I was. All I was doing was trying to relay some bugs that might have not been seen otherwise over to our Vanguard team. I was actually able to report a very major bug thanks to this, and it is fixed now. I got another phone call this past Friday telling me that I was being immediately terminated at the request of Activision. They're claiming that I tried to represent Activision, which I don't think is true and was not part of my intentions at all. I'm really passionate about this job and I don't understand how me trying to help my team got me terminated with no notice or warnings or anything. 
This is coming right before Christmas, and I'm freaking out because I'm immediately out of a source of income. Don't know if I'll be able to buy anything for my family. This isn't the best time of year either to find another job. I also want to reach out to you and get your opinion on the situation and what you think I should do. I think this is really unfair. And then he goes up uh, with a follow-up and says, I see some people commenting on it, and I want to clarify that I understand where I was wrong, and I understand why Activision isn't too happy with me. I only had intentions of helping the team, and I deleted the account as soon as I asked to do so. What I think is wrong is how the situation was handled, because I don't think what I did should result in immediate termination. That's what I was about to say. I really wish someone would have at least talked to me about it and helped me understand what was wrong, so I could make sure it didn't happen again. So that's one instance of someone being removed. But uh, other than the accusation of people on Twitter... Uh, searching for reasons to remove other employees. 12 QA has been let go. Activision Blizzard laid off uh, mostly Call of Duty QA contractors. They did say that they were going to potentially give them promotions in the future. Uh, Activision Blizzard's This is Activision Blizzard's third work stoppage in five months because a bunch of people are walking out, including Treyarch developers, in solidarity with the QA being fired. They have a couple demands. These people who are walking out want the layoffs reversed. They want these guys to go full-time, and so far, they have laid off 20 people as of Monday. I have another uh, tweet here that says, so, of course, Bobby, my boy Bobby in the news for tons of different things, uh, lying about not being aware of the sexual uh, misconduct that has been going on in his company, but someone tweeted out, Codex 2020 pay package of $155 $155 million, it's a lot of zeros there, could be used to pay the yearly salary of every QA tester at Raven, Raven makes Call of Duty Warzone, for just over 100 years, a representative from the team told the Cap Times. It would not be a financial burden to retain the Raven employees who have been let go. And uh, we actually have 45 people who walked out uh, Monday to protest the layoffs. Uh, like I said earlier, all of Treyarch's Central QA has been walked out. And Warzone, last stat, generated $1.93 billion last year. And people were promised by Activision that they were working towards a pay restructure to increase wages. So not only is Warzone coming out with a new update that's way too big, and I'm always complaining about how bad the map is, and, and finally they're changing it. But they've also fired a major part of their QA team and this was in the wrong way for a couple of reasons. I mean, A, getting fired right before Christmas, the holidays, Hanukkah, New Year's. That's not really a good feeling to have. They absolutely could have paid for these guys. They're already being paid very, very small amounts. I saw the number 1850 an hour being thrown around, and they were misled. Um, there was mention of the fact that, oh, yeah, these contracted positions weren't being renewed. But I'm seeing other sources say that these employees or independent contractors, whatever they are, were being expected to be promoted or moved up or moved to full-time later on down the line. And so this is horrible from, I mean, just the quality of the game's perspective. Activision, of course, just doing their absolute best to try to be the most hated gaming publisher in gaming right now. Now, we're going to talk about Ubisoft in a second. They do a fantastic job as well. But this is very unfortunate uh, for the state of Warzone because, if anything, they need QA, guys. And by removing a bunch of them before the holidays, it's not good for them or for me. 
So I take a personal Also, some gripe. shitty corporate-level stuff. I know, like, you don't want to do that kind of thing, go on your personal account, because, again, the, you might represent the company, but as someone who is not an executive and is actually a developer, I would love if that you could just... If someone would just go and grab the bugs, because that's kind of what already happens anyways. Like, they just... Instead of going through customer support, they just go through his Twitter account. I'd be fine with it. We have other people who are really public on Twitter, uh, higher-ups, lead programmers, game designers, and stuff at Raven, Treyarch. Everyone knows David Vonderhaar. Uh, I, I, I do actually see the problem with going out, maybe misrepresenting something. You don't want to accidentally leak, like, oh, yeah, we're working on this, or, uh, yeah, we're aware of this bug, and we're going to get it fixed by this date. No, of course. I understand the issues with it, but, like, the intent is fine, and I think it's just, hey, this has some problems. Let's not do this. And then maybe we'll find some other way to, you know, like look look through social media for bugs or something. That's where everyone seems to complain about them, anyways, especially for a video game. So, like as a developer, I'd love if you have like that connection where you could just say, "Hey, here's the stuff that happens." As a company, I I'd still be like, "Well, that was a good intention you had, and not something to immediately <laughs> kick you out for." Because I want someone, I'd, I'd I'd prefer someone with that kind of intention, you know, just channel yeah, it in yeah. the right place. I've managed people throughout my life. I'm not a manager right now. I've never been like a super high up in charge of 100 people or anything like that. But there was something that I learned about managing people um, that I really would have liked to see them apply here. And that's if someone fucks up and they cost you money, let's say Kula and I are plumbers and Kula's working for me and Kula wrecks a truck or something like that with a ton of our equipment in it. You don't fire Kuehler because the likelihood that Kuehler does that again is extremely low. Unless it was gross incompetence, right? You were drinking on the job or something like that. Right. But if you make a mistake, they probably learn from that. And you just paid for your employee to learn to make, to not make a terrible mistake. And so keep that person on board because they've just learned a lesson. It's been fixed. It's been reverted. They've deleted the Twitter account. He's learned not to do that uh, for the sake of communicating with customers. And again, this wasn't a, a destroying a truck. This was like something yeah. that was actually like intended to be a good way to connect to the community and actually get input on things that could be fixed, which apparently they did. They said a big bug got fixed for that reason. His intentions were good. The damage, if I'm using air quotes here for those of you listening on Spotify or iTunes, has been fixed. The employee has learned not to do that. So keep them on board since they learned a lesson. Um, but there are accusations here in this Twitter thread of they just want to try to find any excuse to get rid of people randomly because they aren't getting rid of people based on performance. They're getting rid of people randomly to cut down on costs to make their Q4. That does seem like what it is. Better. But again, like you get rid of someone like that and you get the team you deserve and the game that, that accordingly is produced. And of course, it's pissed everyone else off and they're walking out. And now there's no QA and the new Vanguard Warzone's coming out and all the QA guys are walking out. And what if there's a glitch? There's uh, a big sale right now, or <laughs> at least there was over the weekend on Vanguard. And if you buy Vanguard, you get 24 hours early access to Vanguard Warzone. I ain't buying that shit. First off, to support the QA guys who are walking out. Second off, because the fucking QA guys walked out. So if there's a major glitch and the 24-hour early access, I'm going to let you guys find it. So I can abuse it the next day when it's available <laughs> to everyone. Anyway, yeah, not picking up Call of Duty Vanguard for for those two reasons. And in solidarity Keep your workers for right, and they'll give you a good product. That's kind of also the thing. We're both working adults here. And even if it's not in gaming or not in the same kind of gaming, like not AAA gaming. But like, it's the same concept, right? Don't, don't, don't be like Activision. 
Unless unless you're going to be an executive, because he seems to be getting a lot of fucking money out of it, you know? All right. Speaking of Activision, Ubisoft also competing with the world's most <laughs> hated game developing company. They have NFTs now. Now, I think this is a little misleading because these aren't really NFTs as they are just Ubisoft's next evolution in releasing cosmetics because these NFTs aren't related to the blockchain. Now, I'm not being a Silicon Valley crypto tech bro. I actually don't know that much about NFTs, but let me lay out the details. Ubisoft Quartz is the new system where they're releasing NFTs, and these NFTs are called digits. Now, they're called digits because they're serialized, numbered items that you can see, and they're in-game cosmetics. Right now, they're only available in Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint. And so you can buy, for example, a helmet with a serial number on it, and then if you don't want it anymore... You can sell it on, I assume, the Ubisoft Quartz Marketplace, get your money back, and then buy a different NFT, and you can customize your character with unique cosmetics. The other thing is that there is a list of people who have previously owned it and when they sold it, so you can see a list of owners. People in the comments section said that this is already available in CSGO in the Marketplace, and this has been technically available for decades, and it doesn't use blockchain, so this is really nothing new. This is just... A new just way a unique, to put a out number DLC, cosmetics, right? Because yeah, because if it's not on the blockchain and it doesn't have the like resilience of being on the blockchain. Now, I do want to point out something absolutely hilarious. As of right now, the trailer has seventy three thousand views and it has five hundred eighty three likes. YouTube has removed the dislike <laughs> removed button, and thank fucking god, these guys. They are getting absolutely fucking destroyed, I'm sure. I actually just left a dislike right now. 73K versus 583 likes. The entire comp, they didn't turn off comments, which I would have expected them to do. So I had a fun time reading through everyone like, we we didn't want this. Cosmetics have gone way too far. Now, this is actually kind of funny. The other night, I think it was Bra, we were playing Warzone. He asked me if I'd ever get a tattoo. And I am literally a real-life default character. I don't put cosmetics on my gun. I don't change my character. I don't put charms on my weapon in Warzone. I don't customize anything. I remember the Evolve developers came to me. And they were like, Nikki, customize your badge in Evolve. Because I was like the most watched Evolve streamer. Like, why? And they're like, you get an achievement, a trophy, and you can show off your cool badge. I'm like, but fucking why? All I want to do is beat the shit out of people in the game. I just want to play Evolve. I just want to play the game. I don't care about this stupid... I'll use the default symbol in the lobby. The Battleborn devs did that also, and I said, I don't want to equip a title in Battleborn, because once you equip a title, you can't unequip one, and then later on in the patch notes, they made it so you can unequip, and they're like, ha, gotcha, Nikki, but I still never equip a title. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I I play default shit all the time in-game. I just don't care how my in-game character looks, because I'm ideally looking at someone else and shooting at them. I'm the exact same way in real life. I, I will simply be a default character don't want any tattoos don't really care about anything like that i mean i think tattoos are cool you get it on you absolutely but i'm not getting any i, I literally dress like a default character it's usually a pair of sweats and a, and a t-shirt now I have, i've been upgrading i've been getting nicer t-shirts and nicer pairs of sweats but yeah i just i don't care about customization in games and then on top of that i i especially don't care about a serialized four digit number on a helmet on my character who the fuck is going to be reading that unless they shot me and they're teabagging me? Like, I'm going to be like, guys, I have the number 0062 on the top of my head. 
I didn't really see if it was super in depth. You know, at least be... at least if there's a pre lobby chat and someone's like, "Hey, check out my like you know like not NFT, NFT, not blockchain version or something," you know, and he's on the other team. For I don't know what game this is, but if he's <laughs> on the other team, you know, all guns on him. You know, that's the guy you're gonna go for. Kill the fucking NFT team. Kill the NFT guy. This isn't Rainbow Six. I I don't think anyone really wanted this. I, I know cosmetics are very popular and they're really keeping games like Warzone afloat, but. Uh, I wonder if they're as customizable as the monkeys. The monkeys, as absolutely fucking horrendously ugly as they look, the reason they're so ugly is because they just swap out colors, ear shapes, head size, hats, like all that stuff, right? It's just it's just generated from a group of uh, a pre-made group of features that you can put on the monkeys. I wonder if that's what Ubisoft is doing with the helmets and the and the gun skins and charms and all that stuff if they're going to be randomly generating from a pool and that way that one is only yours. I really feel like this is a step back because in Black Ops 3 we had the I forgot what it was called. I was going to say gunsmith, but it was literally like a system where you could just make whatever fucking camo you wanted. You had a bunch of like stickers and colors and you could really just put whatever you wanted on your gun. I remember Ryan put on his rocket launcher, you suck. He literally wrote that, that on his rocket launcher. That. And that's such deeper customization than NF randomly generated NFTs and the pre-made skins that we have now. And we're really taking a step back from that deep character customization, even though I said I, I don't care about it. And now we're just, we're, we're selling random configurations of helmets right and so, it's like the problem is that the deep configuration settings don't give you money you know I mean, it comes yeah. down to that largely is that they don't get money if they if they just give you parameters to edit and so they gotta make that money the exclusivity thing is just kind of sad i i remember when bitcoin was just like the thing used to buy drugs on the website that got taken down by the government i forgot the name at this point it was on the onion but um it's just kind of turned into just like a big investment thing, a big like exclusivity thing, and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a really disappointing use of the technology. That's actually kind of cool. Blockchains like um, verification methods and stuff is kind of cool as a, as a technology, as a code. Anyway, Ubisoft has harnessed its power to make it not that cool. Uh, according to the YouTube like and dislikes that I can't see, but I'm sure there are a shit ton of dislikes. Oh, we'll I'm see sure if people actually buy into this stuff. Okay, so last week, we had to skip over a story, the Democrats versus scalpers. I'm going to kind of summarize it here. Basically, what the Democrats want to do is stop people from scalping, stop the bots from... I actually just lost to them yesterday. The Pokemon Center put up a bunch of uh, EV alternate art and EV Lucian alternate art cards, and the bots bought them out immediately. And so what the Democrats want to do is stop that from happening. It says the proposed legislation expands on an earlier law passed in 2016 that outlawed automated bots from circumventing control measures to buy up ticket sales for public events, such as music concerts and sporting events. In addition, the law made it illegal for scalpers to resell tickets obtained through the bot. Right now, scalping is a totally fine and normal thing to do. Just look at eBay, try to buy a PS5. Tons of people are doing it. This is called the Stopping the Grinch Bots Act. And this would apply the same principle to online retail sites. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission would be tasked with enforcement. They say that our Grinch Bot Act works to level the playing field and prevent scalpers from sucking hardworking parents dry this holiday season, Tonko added. 
I urge my colleagues to join me in passing this legislation immediately to stop these Grinch bots from stealing the holidays. Now, I can kind I understand why people scalp, right? Let's take, for example, a Pokemon Ultra Premium Collection, right? Sells for $120 retail. There's a gold Charizard and a gold Pikachu inside of there, and they're selling for, on the resale market, $250 to $300. So just by doing basic math, you're making at least two times your money if you buy it at retail, get it at Target or your local game store that's selling it at retail, which they're not. They're also marking up the prices and reselling it. Financially, it just makes a lot of sense. It's low risk. Pokemon cards are hot. You're going to be able to flip it. Now, of course, the big problem with scalping is you're providing no extra value. You're not you're not providing any convenience. In fact, you're providing inconvenience because I can't buy it directly from the site. You're not making the product any better. You're not bundling it with anything or giving me any better of a deal. You are simply buying something and then selling it back to me and then making up the extra cost for the low, low price of some storage in your room until you sell it and then having to go to the post office, ship it out. And so I'm all on board for this law. I have obviously been very heavily impacted by scalpers. It was a pain in the ass to get my PS5. Pokemon cards are still being scalped all the freaking time. Graphics cards are impossible to get. It is so difficult, unfortunately, to not only get the things you want. I feel like I'm a working adult now and I have the... Well, I'm not working right now, but you get the point. I have the money that I need to get the things that I want, which was the problem when I was a kid, right? Oh, I don't have the money to get all this stuff. Now I have the money. But now in the Rona times, we don't have the resources to make the things that I want or the resources to fight these bots. I know, unfortunately, some people have even gone as far to, I really want this thing so badly that I'll pay the people who make the bots to get some bots for myself so I can then buy these items for myself. So now it's it's bot versus bots and the people profiting from there are the people making the bots. So yeah, I'm all for it. I'm tired of scalpers. Uh, I know there's laws with concert and ticket sales and it should absolutely apply to Pokemon cards and graphics cards and technology in general also because I mean I'm not I'm not even sure what phones are like but I eventually will have to get a new phone too and I'm sure people are scalping the new iPhones although I don't have an iPhone myself uh, and we'll we'll have to see if this actually goes through and it's actually enforceable I mean one of the hard things is these online websites are going to have to develop systems to make sure that the the bots aren't getting through and I don't know if a lot of retailers are willing to do that because the federal trade commission can enforce it but are retailers even going to are they even going to try to or are they just going to take stuff off of the online market and just sell things in store and we'll go back to doing midnight releases for games or products or camping out for things they'll just stop selling things on stores because they can either comply by putting measures in place or they can just not sell things in stores. But I guess there's money to be made by selling things online, so maybe they will comply. We'll just have to see how it turns out and if this actually uh, this law actually goes through and gets in place. All right, so Pokemon has been out for a while already. And I haven't talked about it yet. So Diamond, Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl has been released. And there's this article that came out. I just updated the numbers right before the show. Twitch streamer Nomi has been streaming for 18 days straight and has captured 160 shinies. Now, that's fantastic. 
Um, and everyone should play Pokemon how they like. I want to contrast competitive Pokemon and, and competitive gaming with casual gaming uh, more so. What, what's disappointing to me, for, actually, first off, I want to start with this. Enjoy what you like. Play your game however the hell you want. Uh, as long as you're not hurting anyone else or you have a horrific gaming addiction. But I personally, it's my own opinion here, find it unbelievably boring to watch people play briefcase simulator or hunt for shinies. I simply do not care. I go over every episode about how I hate cosmetics, shiny Pokemon, just different colored Pokemon. And I personally find it super boring to shiny hunt, to run back and forth, do radar chains, and try to get a Pokemon a different color. I, I don't feel thrilled when I find a shiny Pokemon. I don't care if you have a shiny Pokemon. I don't find the act of doing it fun. I know some people would argue, oh, well, I get to sit around with my Twitch chat. And honestly, if you have a couple hundred viewers watching and you're getting donations and subs, and you're talking to people as you do it, that I see value in. But the act of playing the game itself or shiny hunting, I find to be unbelievably boring. I don't want to watch people do it, and I don't want to do it myself. I know a lot of people disagree, and that's actually the point I wanted to hit on. I, I, I find it's really a shame how, how popular Pokemon is, and we have all these people shiny hunting and that's that's the majority of what people watch there's a massive disconnect between people watching shiny hunting and people watching vgc and competitive battling and people who open playing cards and people who actually play with those cards uh, and of course there's always going to be less competitive players than there are casual players right you have to be a casual player before you become a competitive player and by the very nature of that funnel by being a competitive player you're going to be in the minority that's just how it's going to be. That's just how the numbers work. No one hops in and they're immediately a competitive player. They're probably casual first and then it kind of drips down. But the the ratio and the number of people who are, are shiny hunting versus the number of people who are actually battling and the viewership associated with that, I think really sucks. I wish that they did more to encourage competitive battling. There's not even ranked in Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. The ranked ladder is staying on Sword and Shield, a game which is now, I don't know how many years old. I think three or four at this point. And there's a lot of missed opportunity with the competitive scene. And I, I, I'm really sad that shiny hunting is so disproportionately popular to the competitive scene. It's that shiny hunting is super popular and the competitive scene is super unpopular. And that contrast is something that I really don't like. Like I, I know so many people who collect Pokemon cards, but so few people play. It's, it's a hobby I enjoy. And so few people actually go in and engage with actually playing with the cards because there's so little incentive. You're incentivized to go around, you know, complete the campaign, of course, earn your badges and all that, but you're not incentivized to go past it. You're incentivized to open the cards and flip them on eBay and all that stuff. Um, and of course, we're in a pandemic right now, so playing cards isn't a lot of people's priority, especially at big card game events. We just talked about how dangerous anime conventions are. Pokemon card tournaments with hundreds of people also pretty freaking dangerous. But I just wish there was less of a gap between competitive and casual players. Uh, and I wish there was more incentive to do things competitively um, because as a competitive player myself, with so few people caring about, if I were to make Pokemon content, right? Caring about watching someone play the card game or watching someone play VGC, right? It, it makes me not want to create that content. In fact, I'm, I'm not doing it because if you look at the market of, oh, look at how long it takes to build a team and become really good and edit a video versus 
someone running back and forth in grass and radar chaining, right? It's not worth making the effort to make a good Pokemon battling video versus just doing a shiny chain. I'm not saying there's, again, no effort in shiny chaining, running back and forth. You're still doing your overlays. A lot of people use two switches and watching your chat, making sure that you're maintaining your social medias, all that stuff. I'm not saying that shiny chaining and getting shinies is totally worthless. I'm saying that in comparison, the amount of effort it takes to create a high effort Pokemon battling video or playing with the cards is is so disproportionately unrewarding. And that really makes me sad. Uh, and I feel like this is, it's just kind of a trend throughout online gaming. If you look at TikTok, right? You can spend 10 minutes making a dancing video or you can spend six hours subtitling and picking music and working on the pacing of an edited Warzone video like I do. And sometimes the dancing video will just get more views. Now, there's a lot of factors in play there. There's previous audience. There's, of course, your body. Because not going to lie, a lot of the people who make successful dancing videos, very attractive. And they, of course, put effort in maintaining, doing their makeup, working out, making sure that they're picking good outfits, all that kind of stuff. Not discounting that. But the, the contrast between really, really trying to work hard and editing content and making sure that it's, it's well-produced and tells a story versus just doing a little dance uh, is a big contrast. And I don't really ever see that changing similar to the contrast between competitive gaming and casual gaming. Uh, it's just a reality I feel like that you have to recognize. Um, it's something that I've come to accept. Like if I'm going to put six hours into this video... I'm not going to get six times the views that someone got out of making a, a one-hour video or a video that took one hour to edit. It's just something that you kind of have to get across, but uh, it is a little annoying. I mean, congratulations to the streamer for catching, what I say at the time, 160 shinies at the time of recording. I just wish that the competitive side weren't so neglected. And I do understand that it's easier to watch someone shiny chain and drop in and drop out than it is to watch someone battle because watching someone battle means you have to actually know what the moves do. And no one knows what the freaking moves do in Pokemon unless you're me. Everyone's just attacking the gym leaders with whatever typing is effective against them. If you're fighting Crash or Wake, you just use grass or lightning types or electric types as they are in the games and run through the gym. Like Pokemon isn't really designed to get you in too competitive because again competitive is doubles and the whole campaign is single player like it, it's not designed to onboard people into competitive which is uh, another one of the flaws that i think really creates that gap anyway i just wanted to mention that i actually also haven't even finished brilliant pearl no brilliant diamond shining pearl i haven't finished shining pearl yet because honestly i find it pokemon campaigns are so boring they're so boring coming from like i'm trying not to over level but there's a happiness mechanic where if your Pokemon's really happy, it's like, Lugia loves you a lot, so it didn't faint. And there's no way to turn that off. I'm just like, oh my god, dude. Like, I I understand this is literally a children's game. But the option to make it hard, similar in like Black and White 2, which had difficulty settings, would, would be appreciated. I understand people want gaming to be easy and easier difficulties should exist so everyone can casually enjoy games. But also harder difficulties should exist, in my opinion, because I, I just it's super boring to me and I never really sat down to try to finish it. I can only play for like 30 minutes at a time before I'm just bored of clicking surf over and over and over attacking fire Pokemon, uh, even though I really did enjoy Gen 4 when I first played it as a child. I just don't find it mentally engaging. 
And so I'm usually opting to either listen to a podcast or play the Pokemon trading card game because I'm actually like sitting there thinking at least somewhat when I play on the ladder. But also with the Pokemon trading card game, there's no ranked ladder until hopefully next year when PTCG Live comes out. Anyway, I am going to cut the episode there so I don't have to sit around editing audio for very long. But thank you guys for listening. Check out the Early Access Podcast on Spotify and iTunes and leave us a rating. I appreciate you guys hanging out. We'll be back next week. We might also take Christmas week off or something like that, but we'll be back next week. And maybe that'll be the final episode of the year. I don't know. But thanks for watching. It's been yours, Nick Himself, Shabu. Here's there also. And we'll see you guys all next week at 4 p.m. Twitch.tv slash Stealth